It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Bill Hemmer. This is Hemmer Time. Chet Bergram, welcome back to the program, and thank you for... Boy, you've been working night and day, huh? Well, that's kind of the, the way things roll up here on Capitol Hill, uh, by, by the way, during a trial. I was going to introduce you as a producer, but I am wrong because you have been promoted, my friend. Tell that's us. Right. Well, congressional correspondent. I've uh, covered Congress for, for you know well over two decades now, and... Uh, and uh, you know, this comes right about the same time as the as this trial, so yeah. we'll, we'll see. Awesome! Congratulations on Thank that. Thank you. Bill. I, I'm going to cover three. Good to be your first guest on your first program. Thank a couple you, Bill. Thank yes, you. And congratulations to you as well. That was a lot of fun to be on with you as the first reporter on your program. Thank uh, you last very week. much. Yeah, Bill Hemmer reports three o'clock Eastern. As we like to say, Chad, tell a million people. We take all viewers. Uh, I want, depending on when someone listens to this interview. The trial may be in a different phase. So I want to take this conversation and cover three areas. The first area is the White House attorneys and their presentation. In all likelihood, they could start on Saturday. They could defer and start on Monday. What are you hearing about that possibility? Well, there's a mix of things. We were hearing that the Saturday session might be shorter, uh, you know, maybe just a couple of hours, and that would indicate maybe they just kind of get things rolling. From a news perspective, you could see that they might want to start so they can kind of counter the arguments going into the Sunday programs or the weekend news cycle of what the House Democratic impeachment managers have laid out the past, uh, you know, three or four days here. Uh, the other perspective is maybe you, you just want to put a placeholder there, which is why we're hearing maybe just a short abbreviated session on Saturday and then get into the, the the meat and potatoes, get into this in earnest sometime early next week. You know, they have 16 hours spread over three days. Now, there might have to be some calculation there. The the, the resolution, the amended resolution that the, the Senate adopted spreads this out over three days per side. And so do you want to burn an entire day right there or maybe just wait and come back and do it Monday or, or Tuesday? That's unclear right now. You know what I was hearing when I was in Washington this past week? from the attorneys that will represent the president's case is that they believe the viewership could be low on a Saturday. America's off doing other things on the weekend, and they they want to play to the largest audience possible. If that's true, maybe they talk for a few hours on Saturday and then punt it until Monday. But my guess is the way the president thinks, he would want his lawyers in prime time Monday night. Right. That, that, and that's a very good point here. I mean, we've had a lot of this in prime time. They went pretty late to about 945 on Wednesday night. They went until just before two in the morning on the first day debating and voting on the parameters uh, for this trial. You know, so most of this has been in prime time. That said, you know, we're also in kind of a bifurcated and trifurcated news cycle where people are going to hear clips on the radio or on television or get this on their phone at any time of the day and night. And so that idea of real time, the, the idea of people sitting down around the hearth doesn't exist to the same degree. So, you know, depending on your philosophy, it could cut either way. But you raise a really salient point there, Bill, 
that the audience here is just not the public. The audience here is the president of the United States. I had one Republican congressman say when the president was in Switzerland, they said, you know, they have to be sure in their presentations that they're appealing to him, even though he's halfway around the world. He's back in Washington now after being at the, the economic summit in Davos. But he is one of their key constituencies in this. Yeah, I know they will have up to 24 hours based on the resolution that was passed and that was reflected from 21 years ago with uh, President Bill Clinton. I, I don't get the sense from anyone on their side that they will take anywhere close to 24 hours. You know, I heard a, a very mixed things on that, and I can't get a definitive answer so far, Bill. In fact, I was trying to get a hold of somebody who might know not long before we actually recorded this, and we have missed phone calls all morning long here. Uh, that said, uh, I was told uh, about a week and a half ago uh, that they thought that they would not take all of their time. Uh, but, you know, th- this is organic, and here's what. When we've been in the Senate chamber and watching the trial, and when the Democrats come out with a lot of slides, a lot of videos, a lot of clips, a lot of repetition. You know, they're, they're continuing to hammer this in to the, uh, you know, the minds of the senators and the public and those watching, you know, what their narrative is and, and trying to curate that. Uh, you need to take time to do that by the same token. And maybe, you know, when you're in the chamber, you see senators sit up and pay attention when they play those videos. So maybe the White House counsel, maybe they want to, you know, have a little video production there, you know, a little AV activity uh, to get the attention of people. And and again, you know, the, the theme that was put to me, they said, well, if we're burning 24 hours, mm-hmm. we don't you know, we're not doing a very good job. Uh, they might think that now maybe we do need to spend more time so we can, you know, compete with the Democrats and this idea of repetition. That's something that even Adam Schiff said going into the trial on Thursday. He said that you're going to hear a lot of, you know, similar ideas over and over again. You know, it's kind of the old expression. Tell them what you're going to tell them. Tell them and then tell them what you told them. <laughs> I could understand that. Topic number two, the questions from senators. Uh, you will get in a period of time. 16 hours where senators on all sides can file their questions through the Chief Justice John Roberts. So he will read the question, essentially, pose the question to which side is preferred. One thing I picked up on, uh, Senator Perdue from Georgia, uh, during the recess on Wednesday of this week, he came to our camera and he said his first question would be for Adam Schiff. Now, how's that going to go in a Senate proceeding? When the lead prosecutor, let's say, has the questions directed toward him by the other side. Well, you know, that's a very interesting idea as well, because there has been a debate in Republican circles about trying to call certain witnesses, Adam Schiff, Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House among them. Pelosi isn't here, but Adam Schiff sure is. And you could see where he might be kind of turned into, morphed into a witness if they direct all of their questions toward him about what he knew allegedly about the whistleblower or his staff was their contact did they did they kind of try to coach the whistleblower that's been the allegation that some on the right have been making uh you know so you you could see where they kind of turn him into a witness now the question also remains is what does chief justice john roberts do does he allow questioning like that again you're you're not in a conventional trial and you know john roberts already has asserted himself in this trial far more than uh, William Rehnquist did, uh, the former Chief Justice, the late uh, Chief Justice in uh, the Clinton trial in 1999, admonishing both sides. And so, you know, these are unanswered questions about the questions. How, you know, will that be ruled in order? You could see where that might be a, a bridge too far.
are is something subjected to a vote. Remember, you know, we haven't had any votes yet aside from setting up the, the framework for the trial. And you start to get into that and then it's anybody's ballgame, Bill. Yeah. Just one thought on that, Chad. Um, I, I was I felt like I was a juror myself. And I know Chief Rehnquist said 21 years ago, don't consider these senators jurors in this case. And that was like the, the, the one lasting moment that he made from from 1999, as you recall. Uh, I felt I was a juror myself because I was isolated during day one. Let's call it Tuesday of this week. I was on the Russell Senate balcony um, solo on the Fox broadcast side. So I'm sitting there with an earpiece and a monitor and no one really to bounce ideas off of, frankly, and no, no people like yourself who are experts on congressional procedures, uh, no experts on past impeachment proceedings. And so I felt as if I was a juror of one. And you know what I could not tell, Chad? I could not tell how the presentation was being received. And so you kind so of have to now be, we're a yeah. few days into this now. Can we answer that yet? See, that's very interesting, because whenever we have a big political event, say State of the Union, or there's a press conference, or there's a hearing like the big hearings we had in the fall, November and December on impeachment, I was always very interested to see what it was like to be in the room, in the room where it happens, mm-hmm. they sing right. musical <laughs> Hamilton, and then watch it on television, because that's where most people are getting the information from. And so when I go into the Senate chamber, it feels very different in there versus watching it on TV. Uh, you know, from my booth here at the Capitol or, or, or back at home late at night on C-SPAN or something. And that's, you know, kind of how you have to weigh this. You know, and when they talk about senators, you know, not paying attention potentially or standing in the back talking, well, are they kind of conferring about ideas? Technically, they're not supposed to do that, but that is exchange of information. Are they seeing something inside and, you know, different and perceiving this differently than how the public would see it back home? Uh, you know, those I, I keep using the word saying that raises a question, Bill. Well, uh, you know, there are a lot of questions here and, mm-hmm. and, and the questions keep being raised. That is a question that's unknown. How is the public interpreting this? Let's pause right there. More Hammer Time after this. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go to home services marketplace for getting all your jobs done. Well, now you might be wondering what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you, it's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. 
I think one of the most interesting moments that we had, uh, because I was asked about it on the air, uh, was we had a demonstrator about 6.20 on Wednesday night who apparently had was in line to go into the chamber, had not gone through the, the final set of magnetometers, and then just kind of, you, there's a section there where you kind of walk by the doors and just burst into the chamber and started screaming about abortion and, and Chuck Schumer. And you couldn't see that because they don't focus the cameras on, you know, the, uh, the other activity. You know, I, I'm going to let the viewers in on a, uh, and listeners here on, in on a little secret here. My first job in Washington was at C-SPAN. And the one thing that was inculcated into my mind when I first started to work there, because I didn't know this, is that the cameras in both the House and the Senate are controlled by the institutions. And in this case, this Senate trial, it's controlled by the institutions. So you don't, you know, pan around or see reaction shots and what senators are doing. And by definition, the government wants it that way. The senators want it that way. And so, you know, we had made requests, the Radio TV uh, Correspondents Association here at the Capitol, to have added cameras in there for some of that. And you don't see it. And so we couldn't see, you know, the demonstrator. In fact, we had to rely on sketch artists, you know, of them shoving this uh, fella out to, to go arrest him. Uh, it begs the question as, as to, you know, it's almost like there are two trials. And, and just what is it like in the room? And what's it like in the living room? Excellent point. I was looking at television ratings this past week, too. I I, I pay attention to that, first of all, because it's our job. (laughs) And You you, you have to have customers in the store if you want to keep a job. Um, There was a drop-off from, I call it day one on Tuesday. I know technically it was not day one, but I call it day one on Tuesday to day two on Wednesday. And and for some of the networks, there was a drop-off of almost 30%. Right. And I I don't know how telling that is in the end. I think day one had 11 million viewers, which I, I, I still think, Chad, for... A matter as important and as grave, potentially, as this is, that's not a lot of Americans paying attention. Now, maybe that changes when the votes happen. Right. But remember how much time that, you know, cumulatively that the public has invested in this. Uh, going back to maybe, you know, one iteration of this, say, in February with Michael Cohen's hearing. That was supposed to be the big hearing. And then the Robert Mueller hearing. That was supposed to be the big hearing. And then you get into the impeachment hearings in the fall and Marie Ivanovich and, and, and Sondland, and it goes on. Well, the public is fatigued here as well. You know, like uh, I looked up at one point and Doug Jones, Democratic senator from Alabama, was kind of leaning against the back wall. He was paying attention. But, you know, everybody's getting fatigued in this. And they're certainly, you know, fatigued by the public. And this is where Lindsey Graham, going into the session on Thursday, said as much. He said, you know, the, the country needs to get this over with and get on to other things. Mm. He said, yes, there might be issues that we as the Senate need to look at outside of the trial. Hunter Biden or, or FISA, certainly, that's a question. You know, there was the, the report on that. And there's more on that to come. But that's where there is fatigue. What And the public's like, you know, and let me just say this as a reporter, because I think this is some of the thing, you know, a little bit of what the public's dealing with. I come in here every day and it's and for a long time, it was like every day was the Super Bowl. Oh, my gosh, it's Sessions, it's Comey, it's Mueller today, it's, oh, Yovanovitch today. You know, and, and after a while, you know, if everything is the Super Bowl, then nothing is the Super Bowl, you yeah. know. Yeah. And then it got to be that every day was the Super Bowl and the Stanley Cup Finals and the World Series. And, and, and you know, and some big explosive thing would happen, and then the next thing would happen, and it's geometrically bigger. And I'm like... I don't know as a news person how I'm supposed to judge this and then report on this. That's because a great point. Every, and it's so yeah. hard. And, and that's that's the thing the public might be struggling Very with. Very interesting. When we concluded our broadcast on Wednesday, I think we closed it out at 6 o'clock Eastern time, a lot of folks on the Hill were... They were getting out of there. They were closing up for the day. I don't know what that means or if it means anything, but these are these are just little data points that we store in the back of our head, and we try and piece them together and 
Tell yeah. a story to people at home. Last yeah. category here. Yeah. And that's a vote on witnesses. Here is how I see it at the moment. If the White House lawyers want to have their say a little bit on Saturday to get a little bit of time in the Sunday shows, and then they continue their remarks on Monday, perhaps they conclude no later than Tuesday, let's say, for the sake of argument. And then you would move to that period of 16-hour questions from the senators themselves. So that's Tuesday and Wednesday, which means the next big moment, I believe, Chad, would be the vote on witnesses. And based on the resolution, it would appear that would happen, let's say, next Thursday. Right. If they vote to deny witnesses, I believe we will come to a rapid conclusion on acquittal or conviction. That's right. And, and you know what what else is in the the cards there is a motion to dismiss. You know, Rand Paul, the Republican senator from Kentucky, indicated that he thought there were about 45 uh, Republican senators willing to dismiss. That doesn't get you to 51, but, you know, is that in, in the mixture here as well? And, and that's where, you know, to Lindsey Graham's point, you know, right before the session, he said this on, on Thursday, uh, talking about uh, Hunter Biden and Burisma. He said, were they buying insurance by hiring Hunter Biden? He said they sure as hell weren't buying expertise. Mm. But he says, you know, we maybe we need to hear about this, but outside of the context of the trial. And it will come down to the math. Uh, you could get to a rapid end toward the end of next week, motion to dismiss, uh, you, you know, voting up or down on the two articles of impeachment. But I'll tell you what. what uh, By the way, are, what we're describing here is the fastest track possible. Would you agree? That's right. That's right. And, and, and just from my experience on covering anything up here on Capitol Hill over the past, you know, 26 years, uh, nothing up here ever happens as quickly as you think it's going to happen. I'll uh-huh. tell you that. For, yeah. I mean, even even when they started on Tuesday, by rule, Senate rule, impeachment rule three says you start at one o'clock. They started at one eighteen. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, so yes. that just gives you an example. You know, but, but 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 let me just let me just conclude please. that point here, because I think I think that the one wild card here and this might be even a wilder wild card than the witnesses is what happens with those questions. Are some of these questions radioactive? What does the defense say? Do, do they get caught flat-footed, or for that matter, the impeachment managers, Adam Schiff? Do they focus on Adam Schiff as a, more of a witness than a manager? Uh, that gets into some pretty hairy territory there. And then if you, and then if if you know you have you know questions that are raised, and maybe Chief Justice Roberts commits it to a vote, and you don't know, you certainly don't know how a vote's going to turn out on something like that. That could really elongate the process. Yeah. Uh, You know, I heard, I was told anyway, that's a whole idea about swapping witnesses. You know, you say John Bolton, they say Hunter Biden. Uh, I'm told by some Republicans close to Mitch McConnell that that idea has never made it to leadership, that that was that's only been talked about by Democratic senators. Chuck Schumer this week said it's off the table. I guess my question to you would be, was it ever on the table? And if it's not, maybe the scenario we just talked about could happen. Well, our colleague Mike Emanuel reported on this a couple of um, about a week and a half ago where, where, you know, Ted Cruz and others, you know, were talking to the leadership. I mean, that was as far as we understood that there had been a conversation about that. Now, whether or not there was buy in and sometimes what you do is you have a trial balloon. And so there's a little bit of, uh, you know, a firewall there. We said, well, we didn't really consider this or we just kind of talked about it. So you, you run it up the flagpole and see if people, you know, really like the idea. And if it catches fire, then people go for it. Chuck Schumer has said, no, 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 that that's not, uh, uh, you know, in the cards at all, literally. And he, he talked, to, he compared it to, you know, trading baseball cards or something. You know, I'll trade your Pete Rose for your catfish hunter mm-hmm. or something. You know, they're just not going to go for that. And, and I don't think that there's much credence to that idea. 
idea right now. Interesting. Uh, last point here. I drink a whole milk latte. Do you know why? Do you, do you, <laughs> you could what? almost go into the Senate chamber on, on that alone, Bill. Well, you know, only water and milk are allowed in go. the chamber. There you go. Uh, the reason I use vitamin D is because you don't need sugar, because there's enough sugar in the milk to keep it sweet. Yeah. Uh, so that's my thing. So I ask you, Chad, where this whole idea about, okay, you can have water and you can have milk? Well, it's not a rule, first of all. The Senate does a lot of its business based on precedent. And there is a book of precedents. And if you look at the standing rules of the Senate, there are 44, and you look at the book of precedent, it's voluminous, comparatively speaking. Uh, that tells you a lot. And so back in the 50s and the 60s, there were senators with peptic ulcers, and there wasn't really a good treatment for that. And so you had a senator at the time, and they asked, you know, you know, they set a precedent, basically, that you could bring milk onto the floor because you had a lot of older senators who suffered from this condition, and that was how they treated it in the 1950s and 60s. Now, that said, over the years, I have seen senators bring in Coca-Cola. Mm -hmm. I've seen uh, during filibusters, I remember Mark Kirk, the former Republican senator from Illinois, bring a thermos of coffee. Not going to hold it against him, Chad. Not, yep, can't, yep. can't do it. Yeah, down to Rand Paul, yeah. uh, when, it, which is, it, that was kind of parroting what happened during the, 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 the actual filibuster in uh -huh. Mr. Smith Goes to did, Washington. Did you, you know. did you see Lisa Murkowski's comment this week? She said, those chairs look comfortable, but they're really not. Yeah, exactly. You know, Elizabeth Warren said she snuck in a yogurt, it doubled as milk, but it was can't, actually yogurt. Can't blame her. Not yeah. going to hold it against her. And, and, and one of my favorite stories about this is Alphonse D'Amato, the former Republican senator from uh, New York, was in the middle of a filibuster, and Bob Dole was the Republican leader at the time and really wanted him to get this over with, but kind of was, you know, elbowing his colleague in the in the ribs here a little bit, just, you know, kind of hearty-har-har. Har. So every hour he would send out a spot of tea to Senator D'Amato, kind of tempting him to drink the tea, which then might force him to leave the floor for obvious oh my reasons, <laughs> and thus wrap up the filibuster. So I've seen <laughs> other things on the floor. That's clever. Chad, thank you so much. Terrific work down there. You're, you're working night and day, but we covered three areas that I think are, they'll give our listeners signposts for what's next. The White House presentation, the questions from senators, and then whether or not we hear from witnesses. Thank you, brother, and congratulations. Thank you, Bill, and congratulations to you, too. Good luck. Thank you, sir. Chad Pergram on the Hill. I'm Bill Hemmer. This is Hemmer Time. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.